I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you like what you hear, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. About a month ago, I interviewed Dr. Cassandra Henriquez. She goes by the name Coach Cass for my Instagram live show. And we had a great time talking about her children's book, which is called Princess Zara's Birthday Tradition. My daughter, who's almost seven, is a particularly big fan of Princess Zara. And we just got along great and had a really nice conversation. And I then was able to include Princess Zara's birthday tradition in an article I wrote for the Washington Post, where I did a roundup of some really great children's books that have come out recently. Now I'm interviewing Coach Cass again, and I'm really happy that she said yes. I reached out to her in the midst of this Black Lives Matter blackout Tuesday period of time, and I wanted to see if she would be open to just having a really warm, open dialogue about what's going on, what she thinks everyone can do to help, and what her point of view was on the whole situation. And I just wanted to listen. I know that is the mandate of this week, and I am firmly in support of all of it and am standing by everyone to support the valiant, important mission of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think it's really important to amplify Black voices right now. And I wanted to start by doing this conversation and just letting Coach Cass have a platform to talk about how she feels. And as you'll hear, it was really emotional and open and I think really important. And she gave some really great, specific, actionable tips for the rest of us. And as a bio, just so you know a little more about her, Coach Cass is also a love coach and matchmaker for successful women with a company called InspireMany.com. She's been a TEDx presenter. She's the creator of the Love Deck Dating Conversation cards. Her voice has been on weekly on the number one radio show in South Florida. She's hosted a TV show called Fiscally Fit. She's been mentioned and featured in Women's Day, Fast Company, The Washington Post, Forbes, and Black Enterprise, to name a few. And she currently lives with her daughter, Ava, and her husband. Anyway, listen to our conversation. I really hope you get something good out of it. I know I did. I know she did. And just listen and that's really that's really the first step. So come along for the ride with me and listen to what Coach Cass has to say. And I'm curious to know your thoughts afterwards. But as she says at the end, now that we know we all have an obligation to really help, and that's what I am really trying to do. So anyway, have a listen. And thanks to Coach Cass for doing this with me. All right, Coach Cass, here we are. <laughs> Thank you for doing this with me. <laughs> You're welcome, Zibby. Thank you for reaching out. Oh, my gosh. So I reached out to you because, obviously, as you know, the world is now exploding in so many ways. And we're in the midst of now, as we're talking, this the blackout for the week, hashtag stay muted for hashtag Black Lives Matter. And I was thinking to myself, like, what can I do? Who can every—the whole thing is— Let's listen, right? I mm-hmm. I want to give the platform over. And so I thought of you because I had such a great conversation with you. And I just wanted to know, and I, I hate to even like draw attention to the fact that we're of different races. And I, I rarely mm-hmm. do in my podcast because for me, it's usually just about the books, right? What book right. is speaking to me? But I want to be mindful and give the opportunity to just discuss and hear like what you're feeling, not to make you some sort of ambassador of your entire race. Like I wouldn't like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't like, like somebody to say like, on. you know, Zibby, please represent every Jewish person in the world. I'd be like, what? I don't know. I only know what I think. But so I'm right. not trying to position you that way, Disclaimer. but I'm just curious as to how you're feeling and what you think of the whole thing and, and what 
what we all can do to sort of help the mission. Zibby, you just gave me like a, a five-hour talk. Like you just asked some pretty loaded questions. Can we take one at a time? Yes, yeah, sorry so about that. Number- Number one, I do not represent every Black person. So just my background, I'm of Jamaican heritage. My family immigrated from Jamaica decades ago to New York. So I grew up a New Yorker. And then I moved to South Florida. And I'm married to a Haitian. And now we have a little baby, Jamaican, right? So she's Jamaican and Haitian. My family, in terms of race, is the gambit, right? From white to Black, because out of many one people is the motto of Jamaica. So I have Lebanese in me. I have Scottish in me. I have English in me. I have white in me. I have black in me and I'm Jamaican. You know, I remember asking my grandfather, which I really suspect was white, Zibi. I really, really think he was. But I asked him one time, I said, Grandpa, I'm like, are you white? He's like, listen here, girl, I'm Jamaican. I was like, okay, all right. And there it is, right? So so it just, it, sometimes it's confusion in terms of identity, right? Because I'm Caribbean American. And so when it comes to the box, I get really confused sometimes, you know, am I black today? Am I African American today? Am I Caribbean American today? Because you're never enough for whatever box, you know, I don't, I don't, I didn't sit on the stoop in Brooklyn. So maybe I'm not New Yorker enough. You know, I didn't know all the things of Jamaica, the back hills of Jamaica and all that stuff. So maybe I'm not Jamaican enough. So I, I just had to come to terms with being enough for me and representing who I am. And really with Zara and Ziggy, you know, just to revisit why that even came to be is because I was looking for birthday paraphernalia and books for my daughter, having a black princess on it like her. And I couldn't find it. And she was really into princesses. And when I first created the character, She said, mommy, I don't want this one. I want the other one. I want the white one. And I didn't know it was that deep, Zibby, right? So racism or feeling less than started from the age of two, right? With my child, the age of two. Harvard studies show that racism usually starts around three and, you know, being proud of whiteness around five. So it's like, whoa, you know, and I didn't teach this to my kid, right? So out of many one people, I pride myself in terms of my circle being very mixed in terms of culture. So it's been scary. This whole thing has been scary. For me, it has amplified the need for Princess Zara and why I'm on a mission for it to become a mainstream cartoon. Because when we turn on the TV, (laughs) we have Tiana and that's it, right? Maybe. And so it's just like, this whole thing has just been like, wow, systemic racism is a thing. And it's a huge thing. So I have attended unconscious bias classes, you know, unraveling our system. What can we do? Black, white, other, everything in between. How can we work together? And to understand that the way America is set up is not for the average Black person to win is scary. And that's just because of the color of the skin. Right. So you didn't wake up and say, I want to be Jewish Zibby today. You know, like you were born into your family. You were born into your your skin color. You were born into your circumstance, as was I. Now, I was privileged enough to have Caribbean parents that had a different way of doing things. But what if you were born into poverty? Right. 
And as a black person, like there's so many videos on social media right now just educating people about systemic racism and the fact that, you know, our public school systems get their money from property taxes. But if you live in a poorer neighborhood, the property taxes aren't that great compared to in a richer neighborhood. So in the poorer neighborhood, you might have one computer that everybody has to share. In the richer neighborhood, everybody gets a computer and an iPad and books at home and a tutor. And then, you know, even if you... you defeat all the odds and you go to a college like my husband, Florida State University or me, Florida International University, and you get your master's and you're getting your doctorate and you're doing these amazing things, still and still, you have to work that much harder to get where the average white middle-class American is. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Like the the tip of the balance and it's just based on skin color. So Zibby, this is what I had to ask myself. Okay, when does racism start? <laughs> when does it start? So I'll tell you, my child is three now, and I plan to send her to a private school, a very good private school, in a year or two when she when she's ready for kindergarten. I emailed the principal, the administration, the elementary principal, and essentially the church because it was it's a it's a Christian school, and I asked them, how do you create equity at your school? And do you celebrate Black History Month? And do you highlight Black people outside of Black History Month? Because just think about it, a lot of middle America, they don't, they don't celebrate Black History, right? And then Black History Month, and then every day, you know, like what, what does that look like? And I got, I got a message from the elementary principal saying, oh, well, you know, we celebrate all people. You know, that word all is killing me, Zibby. The all, you know, so they're just not getting it, right? So we celebrate all people. Yes, we do Black History Month. Yes, we highlight Black people. But it just wasn't enough for me. Do you create a safe space for your young Black boys to speak up? Do you highlight Black students? Because understand more than likely they are feeling more oppression just from sitting in your classroom of mixed race, right? Just, just knowing that. Are you Take a look. I, I invited them. Now, I haven't gotten the, the email back yet, but I invited them over the summer, right? We have the whole summer. I know you, you also need to have COVID new rules to do with your classrooms. I know that's a lot of stress, but also I want you to review all the books in your classroom, the imagery in your classroom, the color of the crayons in your classroom, the diversity in the books, the activity worksheets, the examples and the videos that you send home. Like when you start to realize that about 99% of our stuff is white, and looks nothing like half of the kids in the class, it's a problem, Zibby. And, 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 and all of me, I'm getting so worked up over it because I, I specifically went out and bought multicultural crayons because yes, I have free coloring sheets for Princess Zara, but the regular crayon in the box is just not a cute color. Like the black, black, no. Like she's like a, a mocha brown. Where's the mocha brown? Where's the caramel brown? Where's my color, right? What, what, what color is this? Right. So so being able to realize that diversity is is a lot to be done. And when I get the the worksheets, it's upsetting. It's upsetting to me. Even even looking at the images of Jesus. Right. Everywhere. It's white Jesus. It's like Jesus had a tan. OK, maybe he wasn't dark skinned, but he had a tan. Like, how come there is like nothing out there with a tan on Jesus? So it's, it's just <laughs> it. It has been. A lot. So in terms of what I personally have done, I I at least reached out to a school. 
I have reached out to my school district in terms of getting Princess Zara into the hands of every child in the school system. Because the thing is, it's not just for Black students to have a Black princess, but I need the white, the Asian, the Hispanic. Because when we create that level playing field that, you know what, Black is respectable, it's cool. Just think about it. How do we learn about Black people in history? Uh, They were slaves. MLK did some good things, but he was assassinated, Malcolm X assassinated. You know, like when we when we talk about all these amazing things that black people did, it's like this counteract to oppress us in the narrative. So even to that school that I emailed Zibby, they they said I, I asked them, I said, do you teach about the African queen kings and queens? Like, you know, okay, the people were taken as slaves from Africa, but more than likely they were royalty. Africa is a rich country. Like, what do you do to highlight that? Then the the response was, oh, well, you know, I don't know if schools cover African history. And I'm like, well, they need to, right? Because if the only back narrative of America, Black starting here is slavery, I need you to take it one step back to help paint the full picture. Because right now, as a white child sitting in a classroom, I learn, okay, black and white, you couldn't eat, you couldn't drink water, you couldn't do what I did, so you're not as good as me, right? So yeah, maybe things got done, but like when we talk about race in the classroom, it's usually, oh, this is what was wrong with black people and why they couldn't do what the white kids did. And if I'm white, I'm like, oh, okay, right? And then the black kids are like, oh man, I. I couldn't do that. So then the black parents at home have to do like this extra reprogramming of you're so beautiful. Black is beautiful. Let me buy you dolls. Let me tell you how gorgeous you are. Let me tell you how smart you are. And the parents have to do all this extra emphasis and the churches have to do so. You know, God loves all. Everyone is equal. You know, the synagogues, you know, everybody has to do all of this extra work that if our schools really started to teach our children properly, right? In terms of creating equity, I think we'd be much further because literally a hundred percent of our future starts with our children. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you just asked me, you know, like a million things. So I know I, I did. I, it was my I, fault. I thought you weren't interrupting me. So I was like, okay, I'll, no, I'll keep, keep going. going. I loved <laughs> it. No, I love hearing what you have to say. And it's, and it's so true. And it's some of the things that would not have occurred to me, even about the crayons. And that's such right. a simple fix once you right. realize it's a problem. And I think that's part of what this whole thing is trying to show, right? That some of these things, if you just are aware, then you can start to fix it. Right. And that's so interesting how you say that about children. And I'm wondering if you think there are things for grownups. Like, is it too mm-hmm. late for the rest of us? I, I, don't, no. I don't think so. So, <laughs> like, what can we as grownups do? And, like, what can— You know, my, my background is in public health, so I go back to the systemic— root cause of things, you know? So yeah, for the adults, it's definitely not too late, right? So I actually like this movement to amplify Black voices. So I'm going to tell you something, Zibby, that I haven't shared publicly with anyone. I've been promoting this book for maybe two months now, right? And like you and one other mom were very open and like, all right, let's, you know, let's put this out there. You know, you went the extra mile to help promote the book. And I have white friends, Zibby. And (laughs) it wasn't until all of this happened that I saw the extra effort to help promote, to help share the vision, to help say, this is something that's needed. And I'm like, why did it take 
like a national war for you to speak up. And you're my friend. We break bread. Our children play. We we hang out. You know why I started this. You tell me I'm so supportive. But the share button, which costs no one anything, didn't get hit until Blackout Tuesday. Hmm. Right? So it's tough, you know? So my husband's like, oh, you should be excited that they shared. I'm like, yes. A part of me is excited that they shared. A part of me is saddened that when they shared. I've been promoting this thing. Like we hit number one bestseller without really my white friends being behind me, right? So it's just like, what the heck? And I I make no excuses for it. I don't want to know the story behind the story. I'm just saying it is what it is. And I know this, right? So I'm talking about business friends, mastermind friends, white clients, you know, all of it. You know what I mean? Like it took all of this for you to be like, you know what? You're doing something pretty cool. Maybe I should buy your book. Maybe I should tell my friends to buy your book. Well, where, where was that love and coolness <laughs> two months ago, you know? So it's never too late. I'm still appreciative, especially, you know, like you are here sharing my story and the story of those who identify with what I'm saying, right? But, you know, it's still so sad. It's it's still so sad. So I'm grateful, but for the adults, I, I did post the other day that, you know, look into spending 25% of your monthly expenses with a Black business. When you think about it, you have to go out of your way. She had to travel to a supermarket 30 minutes from her house. You know, she had to go out of her way to support Black business, right? And I hear you tell me there's a whole book about the Jewish phenomenon, about how Jewish people like really go out of their way to to help each other. And the the dollar in the Jewish community turns over eight times, but then like in the black communities, like one time, right? So it's like, how do we on the other side say, okay, my white allies, my Hispanic allies, how about you support us? Right? Like, what does that look like? Who what does your hairdresser look like? Your nail specialist, your your daycare, your your church, your synagogue, your your earrings, your hair care products, you know, whatever it is, you know, like. Have you made a list of all the things that you really spend money on each month? And have you said, okay, well, let me try and support a black person because at the end of the day, this is an economic famine. The dollar goes further in the black community and it means so much more. So a black restaurant, just think about it. Like what, nine out of 10 restaurants go out of business? So it's like, when's the last time you purposely went out of your way to buy from a black restaurant? Try black food, you know, and black food, you know, different cultures, right? So I'm, I'm just putting black on everything. But, you know, there's many different layers to black. You know, we got Jamaican, we got Haitian, so we have black Italian. There's so many mixed race, right? So there's, there's so much to support. But yes, it is a cognizant effort for our allies to say, you know what? This is something I need to do. Before I go to Macy's or Nordstrom to buy my pretty dress, is there a custom seamstress or designer that's Black that I can then help to promote? And then promote, say where you got it from, share the picture, share the resource, tell a friend, text somebody. You know, just like when you get excited about anything else, your new show on Netflix, I need you to also get excited about supporting a Black business. And what about... 
people recommending particular books, not like even there are a lot of books now I'm like blanking on any, there's like a whole list, the right? Going around. And, yeah, yeah, and, like yeah, how to yeah, be an yeah. anti-racist and yes, um, yes, white yes. supremacy and me and like all mm-hmm. these books yes. that now everyone's like, read these books, read these books. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Is that offensive? No, I, like, think, it, no, I don't think it's offensive at all, right? So I specifically have a Bible study group and of which I have white women in my Bible study group and they honestly were like, yo, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Right. And a part of you is like, what you mean you didn't know? But then at the same time, what do we talk about in Bible study? God's love. How are the kids? You know, nobody's really talking about, well, you know, when I walk down the street, someone crossed the street because I was black or whatever else that those conversations don't come up in normal conversation. We talk about normal stuff, like how you and I talked about normal stuff. Your child traced a unicorn. Yay. Right. So we're not talking about (laughs) the madness of being black and white and the difference. So I do think those anti-racism resources are amazing. And I've seen a couple, I haven't read them. Right. But I have seen like in some of my business groups where white women spoke up about books that they have read. They're like, this challenged me how I was raised. And I do see that I have privilege, you know? And the thing is that most of us don't know that we're prejudiced or we're racist. I remember going to a workshop, a diversity and inclusion workshop, and specifically the speaker put pictures, right? So just imagine this, a picture of an Indian woman, an Indian man, a white woman that was pregnant, a white man in like a, a, those marinas, a wife beater, right? A black man, a black woman with natural hair, an Indian woman. And it was like, okay, write down your immediate thoughts about these people, right? So me, Black Jamaican New Yorker, wrote down and she was like, which one of these people would you trust? And you know who I chose to trust? I chose to trust the Indian woman with the hijab and the Black woman with the natural hair. Everybody else, I was like, I don't know. He's smelling a little weird. I don't know. I don't know about you. You know, and, and this was just pictures, right? Normal people in pictures. So we all have prejudice within us. So it is important for you to say, What are my prejudices? Let me explore that and then let me squash it. You know, is that real? Is that right? Is that forward thinking, right? So we all have to do this on a daily basis, right? So when your picture comes up on a screen, people might say, Zibby, blah, 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 and they don't know you, right? And this could be other white Jewish women. It could be other black women, whoever. So it's it's our own prejudices that we need to deal with. So those anti-racism resources, I think, are a great start. And then also diversifying your circle, because if your circle is oh so white, <laughs> y'all talking about being anti-racist all day long, it's like the blind leading the blind. Just like, so you know I'm a love coach, so this is what I tell my, my single professional ladies. It's like, okay, so if you just surround yourself with single ladies all day, it's the blind leading the blind. You're just on one thing. Oh, this app. I don't know about this app. I don't know what a man wants. Oh, men suck. You know, and it's like, that's the conversation all day. You're not growing. You're not. It's just, I, I, you need my help. So with, with those circles, you want to make sure that there's more diversity in your circles. What kind of schools are you sending your children to? Is there diversity there? All black, all white isn't good, right? So diversity in your schools, being able to say, okay, let's do play dates with this black family, right? Let's make friends with a black family and then let's eat bread and just have fun, right? As people, we're not necessarily saying, do you see that little Billy is black? What do you think about black? Like, it doesn't have to be that, right? It's like, 
Philly's cool. Joey's cool. We have a good time together. Right. And it's like it's that simple for helping our children understand that having friendships outside of our race is good. Right. And they got to see mommy and daddy do that as well. Right. So mommy and daddy don't have no friends that don't look like them. You know, that's not really setting the right example. Where do you find black friends? Hey, message somebody on Instagram. Is that a DM? You want to be my friend? I need friends. Right. So being able to start to diversify and even hire black coaches. Okay. So Zibby, this is a whole nother thing. Right. So you see, I'm light skinned. Right. So on a day, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm light, you know, I have white in me somewhere, you know, so What's so crazy to me is that the majority of my clients are Black, right? I do not consider myself a Black coach. I do not market myself as a Black coach. I do not do Black-only conversation. Love is a universal conversation, yet Black women are attracted to me. The white women I have had as clients mainly have been one-on-one and have been very targeted referrals versus just, you know, in the air, saw me somewhere, was like, oh, I need to hire this lady, which is crazy to me, right? So I start to see that in different arenas. When you see coaches out there and they're putting on events and it's a black coach, more than likely the entire audience, no matter if it's a thousand people, is black with a few sparse in. But I see that when there's a white coach or speaker, right? Look at all the diversity. Everybody signs up. Like, what is that? Right. So then that's something else to think about as a white person watching this right now. Like, where do you go for advice? Is it only white? Do you diversify the coaches and the personal development that you invest into? Who are you listening to? Right. So I invite you to invest in black business when it comes to your coaches, to your mentors, to the people that you are looking to. Have you ever picked up a T.D. Jakes podcast? You know, like being able to diversify who you're listening to, because if it's all white, it's all one thing. Right. But me as a black person, most black people have a whole diversity in who they who they listen to, because we we understand it's what's out there and we're looking to get the best information. So I noticed that that also is unequal in terms of the personal development space as well. Very interesting. (laughs) Girl. You're awesome. You're like, Uh, here's what you should do. You should open your own school because I'm a little nervous that you reached out to the admissions director with all those questions before getting into the school. So not to say you're not going to get in. I'm sure you will. But just in case, (laughs) you are so talented. No, seriously, like people need leaders and educators who can tell like it is the way that you're doing and who can give the examples that you're saying. Like, anyway, not that you need to open a school in your spare time, but that would be great. (laughs) You. You know, it's it's on the list of the many to-do lists. Right now, we want Princess Zara to be a mainstream cartoon on, like, a PBS. You know, that's the focus right now. But, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, I didn't get kicked out just for mama speaking up. Because then, once again, that's white privilege. The black lady speaking up gets kicked out and can't come in because she has a voice, right? Oh, that would be for anybody. I feel right. like I can't say, I can't even, I feel like I can't even call my school administrator and be like, could so-and-so have this teacher? I'm like too afraid. I'm like, I don't want to ruffle any girl, feathers in this school. Girl, <laughs> that's the thing. Okay. So let's talk about that. We have to ruffle the feathers. Mm. So for me and for my husband, we are non-political. On our social media platforms, it's love, right? My husband teaches business owners about storytelling and speaking. He He literally, after this, is speaking to an entire network marketing company that has over 10,000 people right here on this camera, right? So 
we don't want to ruffle feathers, right? Feather ruffling is not our thing. We try and keep it PC. Like, look, we love everybody. But with everything going on, we realized that our silence was not okay. And we were hurting, but the fact that we weren't using our platform to be vocal or our influence to be vocal it was hurting us more than anything because there were people looking to us. So that same network marketing company that reached out to him was because of the post that he made as a black man living in America and what he has been through that the CEO said, I need you to talk to my field. This is too much for me. Blacks against whites, races, you know, sales, COVID, you know, this is a lot going on and I'm looking to you to be the voice, right? So the fact that he lived in his truth, the fact that I'm living in my truth, it's opening different types of doors. It's scary because we are not feather rufflers, right? We love everyone. Jesus loves you, right? (laughs) But we also have to realize that, you know, this stuff is real. And, you know, prejudice, racism, all this craziness is real. And if somebody chooses not to do business with us or hire us because we just spoke about, hey, treat black people right and buy from them, then something's wrong with them. You know, like then that's just business we don't need. If they're an undercover person that doesn't want to hear it, so be it. Bada bing, bada boom. So to you, I know that's probably the the top school in your area and you really love them. I I really would still say, you know, to still speak your truth. You know, if there's someone specific that you want your child to learn from or something that you want to see in terms of crayons or, hey, you buy the crayons and drop it off at the school for every class. You know, if you want the book, buy the book and drop it off. That makes it real easy. You know, the activity sheets like, hey, I'll volunteer some time to look through the activity sheets and find you new ones. You know, like so we could be a part of the solution, too. It's not just saying, hey, school, this is what you need to do, because we already know short staff, people tired, da da da, too many Zoom meetings. So being a part of the solution and speaking up it's a big deal. So I say, go ahead and ruffle those feathers. You, know you are 100% right. Ruffle. You are 100% right. Ruffle. And that's a great idea for people to get the book and give it to their schools and just like drop yeah. it off. I mean, as opposed to some sort of theoretical, we should do X, Y, Z, just freaking do right. it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be practical. Yeah. I literally did an address to a preschool because someone bought it for their preschool class, you know? So, and, and then I said every name, like Elijah, you're awesome. You got a book. You got a book. I felt like Oprah, you got a book, <laughs> you know? So it was cool. Right. So that they did that for the students. It matters. <laughs> It matters. And yes, all lives matter. But looking at everything going on in our society, it's a replay, y'all. It's it is a replay. Like, look at 20 years ago. Look at look at Rodney King. Look at years before that. Look at MLK. Look at slavery. Like, hello, do we need to continue? Like, do we want our kids going out to protest in 20 years because we still haven't gotten this right? Like, This is just stupid. You and I are human. Give us the same opportunities, whether my name is Sarah or Shanika, it should be the same. You know, just because we have a different background doesn't mean that we can't work just as hard. Right. So it, it it's scary, you know. So, yes, something needs to be done now. And if you're not a part of the solution, seriously, you're part of the problem. Right. Because if you're sitting back and doing nothing, then See you in 20 years, right? So with your gray hairs, your gray chin hairs, (laughs) see you at the protest line then. It's bananas. 
Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no, I mean it. And it's just really, it really means a lot to me. And I want to be able to share your thoughts and feelings, which are so genuine and honest and smart. And I knew it would be Mart. because I already had talked to you that what how bright a Daddy. woman and everything. And <laughs> no, even something as simple as a child getting a new picture book can make all the difference. So, well, not not all the difference. That's just a little piece of the right. difference. But no, I'm just saying, but that's it's a start. A step. <laughs> it's, it's a step. step. It's you a know, step. It's, it's a step. Like I created a whole Amazon store, girl, with with resources because it's the truth. And we're not we're not conscious. If my immediate circle is not conscious, right, I get it. Right. <laughs> I get it. So if I'm here and we sit down every day and you tell me you didn't know, I totally forgive every person that says they didn't know. But now, you know. So when you know better, you do better. Maya Angelou. Right. So there's no more excuses. The question is, what are you going to change? Who are you going to invest in? And how can you call others to change? Racist grandma is no longer acceptable in the conversation. Challenge your grandma. I know she's 92, right? Challenge your best friend. Challenge your other friends that are making all these crazy remarks online. Like, yo, keep that in your house. Don't put that online. Like, what are you doing? I know one guy that took it down because it was affecting his business, the foolishness that he was saying online. Like, oh, white and black people started to fire him because of the foolishness that he was talking about, you know? And I'll just touch on this. Many people have a lot to say about the looting and shooting, but understand that there are so many underlying systemic things happening. And remember, there were peaceful protests, right? MLK peaceful protested, he was assassinated. Hmm? Colin Kaepernick, he protested, he was fired, right? Very, very peaceful, right? And the riots after MLK happened for maybe six days, and then the Civil Rights Act was passed six days later, right? So there's power still in rioting. I don't condone messing anybody's stuff up, right? But at the end of the day, I still understand all of the things that go under it, right? So literally, if somebody slaps you in the face and they don't say sorry, are you upset? I think so. The only thing is Black people have been getting slapped in the face for centuries. So the thing is, are you going to help the hand stop slapping? Hello. Wow. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Here's one thing that I, I, I saw on Facebook. You know, Facebook is like the new, new place. I don't watch the news, but I definitely watch social media and it's definitely been jacking me up, guys. I, I need to go on a social media fast. But I have a friend that went to a store and they said, hey, you're... $20 bill, $100 bill is counterfeit. And she said, no, it's not. They're like, yes, it is. And so she used her card. And then she went over to the bank and she said to the banker, is this counterfeit? And the banker said, no. Did this store such and such say that it was counterfeit? She said, yes. He said, that's been an ongoing problem. So just imagine George Floyd was, <laughs> my, my girlfriend, she literally was like, what if the police were present? Could I have ended up like George Floyd? Because at the end of the day, it was just an accusation of a counterfeit bill that may have may not have been, right? So just understand that <laughs> there, there are parallel universes that we walk in and just be grateful for your life for what it is today. But the question is, what are you going to do with it? What's going to be between that dash on your tombstone, the day you were born and the day that you died? What are people going to say about that dash? Did you sit complacently? Did you sit silently? Did you make those racial jokes? Did you just be? 
or did you make a difference? Did you stand up for those who needed their voices to be amplified? Did you invest in black businesses? Did you challenge your schools, your churches, your synagogues, your religious groups, your non-religious groups, your groups of groups, (laughs) whatever group you're a part of, did you challenge them? And when you lay down on that deathbed, can you look back and say, I'm proud of the person that I was. And I'm proud as I sit here because others will know that I made a difference. That's my charge to you. I'm Coach Cass. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Zibby. (laughs) Thanks, Coach Cass. (laughs) Always great talking to you. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to my podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you liked this episode, please follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and sign up for my mailing list at ZibbyOwens.com so you can always hear about the latest things I'm up to. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Blue Land Cleaning, our sponsor for today's episode. Blue Land Cleaning, get your single-use plastic packaging. Make that a thing of the past with this eco-friendly cleaning products company. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 